0: Welcome to Corn Syrup, the horror podcast. Mike, we've made it.
1: We finally made it, man. After a long time talking about it, we're finally here. I'm happy.
0: What's up, guys? My name is Tyler Sablik. I'm Michael Keenan. And we are Corn Syrup. So a little background on this podcast. We are obviously very, very big horror movie fans. Uh, We are fans of all things horror. Movies, TV, art, you name it. We are into it. We've been talking about starting a podcast for several years now. Our initial... Our initial um, idea was to start a podcast that talked about film, TV, a little bit of sports. And it was just way, way too broad. So we we decided that we really need to find a niche. Um, And what better than horror movies? I mean, Mike introduced me to the horror genre several years ago, probably, what, fourth or fifth grade, something like that.
1: We would have our uh, blockbuster nights. Um, We weren't old enough to see these movies in theaters, so... The first night that it came out in the or to uh, VHS or DVD, I don't know what was hot at that time, but we would be there uh, and we'd have our movie nights at Blockbuster. And it was always Slasher movies. Always. It, was, it, it really didn't matter if it was, you know, Friday 13th, part three, or what just came out that year. We were always yeah. down to watch whatever Slasher movie w- was available at Blockbuster.
0: And it's funny you say that because it was kind of in between like when VHS is first starting to die out and DVDs were first coming into play. Early 2000s, yeah. So I remember it used to be able to go to Blockbuster and they would have both copies. They'd have the VHS and the DVD and, you know, I guess we would pick and choose based on the selection. But yeah, we're gigantic horror movie fans. Uh, Again, specifically Slasher. I think that's really where most people cut their teeth on the horror genre is the subgenre of slasher films. Um, and Mike introduced me. The first movie I've ever seen in the genre was Halloween 4, and uh, we watched it in his parents' basement. And I don't think I slept very much that night. Uh, you know, the, the, the haunting of Michael Myers chasing young Jamie Lloyd was just, um, you know, because we really weren't that much older than Jamie Lloyd at that time. Right. Uh, so it kept me up. But yeah, so you know, this is a podcast we're based just outside of uh, Philadelphia. We're about 15 we're, from where we sit right now, we're about 15 minutes northwest of the city, born and bred uh, just outside of the city of Brotherly Love. So, we thank you guys for listening. We wanted to preface the show by saying you can find us on Twitter. It's at corn syrup pod um, and we also have an email. It's corn syrup horror at gmail dot com. So, Um, if you're listening to this, you obviously love horror. We want to make this as interactive as possible. If you guys ever want to hear us talk about a particular movie or a particular subject, by all means, feel free to reach out and more likely than not, we will make time for it. We want to, um, you know, not only bring good opinions to to you guys, but we want to have a blast doing it. And I know we're, I know me and Mike are going to have a blast doing it and we hope it's fun for you guys as well. Um, so yeah, man, let's get into it. What do you say? Let's do it. So we didn't want to half-ass this first episode. We wanted wanted to kind of come out swinging here. Um, Again, we're slasher movie. We're crazy about slasher movies. I mean, there's no two ways about it. So what we're doing is, it's a big undertaking, but what we're doing is we are ranking all 51 movies of the Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Scream, and Child's Play franchises. So we're ranking all fifty-one from worst to best. This first episode, because there's an uneven fifty-one, there's actually going to be eleven films in this first episode, and then it's a five-part series, and the remaining four parts are going to have ten films apiece. A, a, a little input as to how we feel about these franchises. Halloween easily both this of is our, our favorites. Favorite. I mean, and and it and it's a sizable number one. The, the distance between one and two. Friday Thirteenth is pretty,
1: pretty close. For you? Yeah, uh, for me. You were him for Halloween for maybe three straight years. (laughs) Jason X in particular. That's right. (laughs) But yeah,
0: Friday the 13th is for sure number two. Um, From there, I don't know. I mean, I think the Scream franchise is an absolute blast. Love Child's Play for me. And I I think you agree with me on this. Although, you know, the original Nightmare on Elm Street and the original.
1: Same with Texas Chainsaw. Very, those are the two franchises, uh, the two franchises that definitely drove off the rails a little bit. Uh, just took it in too many directions it and did. got it
0: way, way, way too messy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it-
1: but that's the, the, the case for almost every franchise here. I mean, when we get to number 51, it's going to be a surprise because we just talked about how much we love that franchise, and sure, it's literally our least favorite of these 51 movies.
0: So keep that in mind as we're going through the rankings. Um, you know, number one is fifty-one for number fifty-one is number fifty-one for a reason because it's a franchise that is very, very near and dear to our hearts. And, and they just it, took
1: a big crap on all of its fans when they made this movie, man.
0: Obviously, if you're familiar with the Halloween franchise, you know what's coming um, based on what we've already said. Number fifty-one, in our opinion, the worst of out of all these franchises, films. Is Halloween Resurrection uh, released in 2002, directed by Rick Rosenthal? Mike, what's the one word that comes to your mind when I ask when when you think of Halloween Resurrection? What's the one
1: word? Why? Why did they make this movie? Uh, H2O ended perfectly. Uh, We try not to get so much onto other movies when we're talking about our list. But resurrection was so unnecessary to be made. There was no reason to make it. Um, and uh, Jamie Lee Curse, I don't think she even wanted any part of this movie. Uh, she did sign on for a sequel, um, and she was just like, "Just kill me off as soon as you." I don't want to be in this movie, but if I have to be in it, just kill me off in the first five minutes. So it does put them in a, the, you know, in a tough spot. I guess that's the one thing I will, uh, you know. I won't rip on them for is that when your main star doesn't want to be a part of the movie, but that's kind of a sign right there. That's going to be a shit show of a movie. Um, I will get into a little bit of um, the budget of this movie was $15 million. It did rake in 37 million at the box office, which is pretty good number, especially for 2002 at the time Uh, you look at the rotten tomato scores and that's 11%. Uh, the audience score. The audience score is twenty five percent. Not much, much better. Um, what do you have to say about this movie?
0: Um, I freaking hate this movie. And I remember as a kid, um, you know, when when you're a kid and you're watching a sequel, any any Halloween sequel, you you, you kind of have a way of convincing yourself that it's passable at, right. in the very and that's least. That's what we
1: definitely did watching this for the first time at ten years old.
0: We did, but I remember it didn't really take all that many years for me to look back on this movie. It was with, like 2003 when we were like, "This sucks." Yeah, and look, I know uh, Jamie Lee Curtis did not make uh, the filmmakers' lives any easier with the writing and the directing, with right. you know, with her basically having no interest in this movie. Mm-hmm. But as a fan, you have to look at it also from a fan's perspective because at the end of the day, that's what you and I are. When you when you kill Laurie Strode in the first 15 minutes of a movie. And, and you're taking a gigantic shit, like we said, on what we perceive to be the ultimate slasher trilogy, meaning Halloween right. 1, 2, and H2O. It's super um, disappointing. It's super off-putting. Uh, but moreover than that, this movie has what I call uh, nothing characters. Um, People
1: there uh, just to die. Yep. Yeah, and
0: I think Friday the 13th really set the tone for they those did. types of characters. But when you're still
1: doing that in 2002... It's kind of yeah. like, okay, we you, get
0: the point. You can do better at that point. Um, even the final girl, to me, there is just – she's so forgettable. So, so forgettable. Um, I actually, I have to think about her name. I believe it's Sarah.
1: You know if they ever were to make a sequel to this movie, there would be no point to even add her to it. So it's like what's the point of – it's like you should just kill off everybody. I mean there have been slasher movies where everyone dies, and that's fine. People are fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know it's like you keep Buster rhymes alive he 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 was there just to have his one-liners at at the end of the movie
0: which were dreadful they were um, yeah
1: and they're, uh, they're very cringeworthy
0: I've always looked back on Buster rhymes uh his his inclusion in this movie and his role in this movie I th- I think they honestly they looked at LL cool J was such a well-written character in h2l he was and at the time like he was a did, perfect side character right he was... Buster was just too involved. I mean, Mm -hmm. they made him the final guy, and I'm using that in air quotes. You know, he's the hero of the film, basically. But I think they tried capitalizing off that, that was just a popular trend back then. LL Cool J was an H2O. You had Kelly Rowland uh Fred in station University. which i believe was a year later in 2003 you had brandy in uh, i still know what you did last That's summer right. It was just a couple years prior you even had iced tea in leprechaun back to the hood that was just a trend back then putting these uh r&b and hip-hop celebrities can i yeah. say that word celebrities yeah. um into these slasher films and some of them worked, some of them didn't. LL Cool J is the poster child for the one that did work. Busta Rhymes is the poster child for the didn't one that was an work. absolute utter disaster. Um, his one-liners suck. The character of Deckard really exists as a very lazy plot device to alert Sarah, the final girl, that Michael, the real Michael's in the house and that she needs to escape. It doesn't make any
1: sense either when he's texting her on a computer and she's getting it on her phone. It's like even in 2002, that, that that's not possible. Uh, um, I do have some, uh, movie titles that they were thinking about for this movie. Didn't and they? that kind of tells you where, you know, what kind of film you're about to watch. Um, they thought about making this called Halloween H2K. I guess that's a play on words for like the millennium and for Halloween H2O. Uh, it's not clever. It's not funny. Well, and and it was, I hate you. And it was two years. It was two years too late. After the millennium, right. <laughs> you know, uh, Halloween Homecoming—that's not so bad, but uh, Spider-Man I think was better at that. Was a little that's, more, that's it was a, for Spider-Man.
0: It was a little more fitting for a Marvel and movie.
1: My favorite um, title is Halloween Michael Myers.com.
0: You know, I think if the movie was called that, it could have been looked Sh- upon as a different
1: movie. You know, we it, straight to VHS <laughs> even yeah. in two thousand two. I don't think they would have made that on DVD. Yes, it brought up the point of them when they kill off Laurie Strode. And I don't think it's even so much the fact that they killed her off. It's kind of how they did it because it gets to a point where if Michael Myers can't kill her after six movies, it kind of turns into like a cartoon, like, you know, like Wiley coyote like right. trying to kill somebody. So, yeah, like, like, um, but the way that they killed her off trying to take off his mask, oh, I have to make sure. I hate that. It's I hate like, that. It's just so he, cartoonish. She just
0: chased you throughout the cycle, Right, and
1: now you're going you're to sure question about who that. it is. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, if you are going to kill her off, do it with some dignity, you know? And I always thought the uh, the epic music that plays when, stabs when are Michael right back, stabs her oh,
0: and she begins... I always
1: they, they have the church
0: choir going, you know, they're they're treating it as if it's a, a you know, a Christopher Nolan Batman film right. with the epic music. So and, I, I, and I just I just hate it. Uh, it's so corny. Um, there, I don't have a lot of good things to say about this movie. I, I do think the worst part is Buster Rhymes. I can't believe that they actually wrote his character the way that they wrote it. I think it's terrible. Um, and, and if you're going to have him,
1: just kill him off early. You know, let yeah. him have a cool death or something. Sure. You know, I mean, like, he for,
0: he for sure should have died. Tyra Banks is also in this every movie. Every person and, in this movie should have died. Yeah. It, the characters, <laughs> are underdeveloped and uninteresting. This is the worst movie of our Everyone is franchise. just obsessed
1: with sex or, you know, it's just like, yes, yeah. every all, character. Is all the
0: girls, other than the final girl, are a little bit slutty. Mm-hmm. All the guys just, are a little bit douchey. Mm-hmm it's It's just so bad. it is so pro, it's so prototypical slasher to an absolute fault.
1: And for a movie that came out in 2002 that was in in theaters, like I think that's why we have this as the worst because it and somehow this made 35 uh, 37 million dollars in the box office. and yeah how? Uh, like like we, we're disappointed by this movie.
0: Yeah. Oh we're super disappointed. Many I, of you probably may
1: not have it as your absolute worst. Because it does have some decent kills, I will give it that. Yeah. Um, also, I think the it's found not footage a long runtime,
0: the film footage aspect to me is super annoying. I don't, I don't, that I don't is, think it belongs in in the Halloween franchise. No, especially just, after
1: like Blair Witch, had like it just came out like three years prior. Like we don't need any more of that. Like maybe right. that's what they were trying to capitalize on.
0: I think, like you said, this might be. Um, I don't think this is going to be dead last on a lot of people's lists, but I do think if it's if it's any better than your bottom five, but for I, I would encourage you to go had... back and rewatch it because it, it's it's a really, really bad movie.
1: Like, it kills off the person that you built this whole franchise around, and then it just tries to start a whole new movie. It's just like... I.
0: For anyone who loves the Halloween franchise, I'm sure that you love H2O, and if you love H2O, you understand that this movie is a train wreck, and it's a little bit of a slap in the face to people that were uh, born and raised and really came to love this franchise.
1: I've always said, if you were going to make a sequel to H2O, why not do it that same night? Kind of have like a Halloween 2 vibe to it, like, yeah, oh... Why is Michael Myers still chasing me? I just chopped his head off mm-hmm. like 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 an hour ago. Why is, you know, and you could have made it a lot better. Not, you know, now she's in the mental hospital, which is a cliche.
0: Very cliche. Um, you
1: know, it takes place 4 years later. So, I I hate this freaking movie, man.
0: Yeah, this movie stinks. Can um, we move on? Yeah, <laughs> let's stop talking about it. This movie freaking blows. It's number 51. Let's move on to uh number 50 so this is the worst installment by our measure of the texas chainsaw massacre franchise and honestly if you've seen this franchise there's a lot of bad movies in this franchise Mm -hmm. but i think it's pretty unanimous that this is the worst the worst for the most part you might have some people in there that say another movie that we'll get into shortly but for the most part I, i do think this movie um is pretty much unanimously the worst of the of the franchise and I'll introduce it real quick it is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation this was actually directed by the co-writer of the original film which
1: is a complete head scratcher Kim Henkel, yep he co-wrote the original uh it's kind of um sad and crazy at the same time that the two worst movies on our list is rip- that they were directed by Rick Rosenthal and Ken and Kim Henkel 2 well-respected names in the horror industry. Yeah. Um, Kim Henkel. This was the first movie that he ever did. And it's the last movie he's ever done. That tells you, a I lot guess right it there. shows that there's a lot of difference between writing a movie and directing a movie. It was made on a $600,000 budget, which is crazy to think about. Cause that's nothing. No, and that's, especially that's for when it was change. made, uh, it was filmed in 94. Uh, this movie went through production hell Uh, It was in theaters for like two weeks in 1995, basically made nothing. It was re-released in 1997 to take advantage of Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger because they had become famous the year prior. So they were trying to capitalize on that movie. It's even hard to like go online and like look up um, information on this movie. Like it's almost like it never happened, this movie. Like we kind of wish it never did happen. A lot of Um, people. This is a really weird movie.
0: It's it's really as though, I mean, we know Matthew McConaughey doesn't want you to see this movie. No, we we know that. His
1: lawyers made that very clear, even 25 years ago. He made that clear. Yeah,
0: he got his people involved. Mike, remind me, do you remember the name of the film that came out around. Oh, I I have it right here. I apologize. It's called A Time to Kill. A Time to Kill. And that came out in 96.
1: And the same year. Renee Zellweger came out with Jerry Maguire, which was also 96. I think she was nominated for an Oscar too.
0: I think you're right about that. For Best so, Supporting Actress. The fact that McConaughey even back then didn't want you to see this movie tells you a lot. It tells you a lot that Kim Henkel directed it and he has not directed a film since and at this point will likely never direct another
1: it's funny that when you see like a movie trailer and it'll be like it's a movie that they don't want you to see it's like no this is literally the movie they don't want you to see quite literally quite
0: (laughs) literally um you know i think i would describe this movie in summary as an absolute shit show um mcconaughey he's not good in this movie you know, it, it, it's difficult to criticize McConaughey a little if, bit. Because if it I wasn't like, him,
1: like, you would think this actor was, like, absolutely out of, like, an insane. Yeah. Um, and, like, I like know that's what they're trying to go for, but it's like you're uncomfortable watching this whole movie. Yeah. I've,
0: um, you know, I describe McConaughey in this movie, and I know this is a strong word, but he's, uh, he, he's rapey.
1: It's so uncomfortable watching this movie, man.
0: It's I, it's not good, you know. I think they use that as a mechanism to try to scare people, but instead, it was really just super off-putting, mm-hmm. um, and and turned people off. And I actually don't think he's that bad in the first act when he first appears with the tow truck in the woods, and he has that line where uh, he tells Sean, who uh, was Rennell's, Renee Zellweger's boyfriend in the film, that he's going to kill him, and then he goes in in, in his typical Matthew McConaughey voice, he goes. Ain't No If and Biggie. And it's actually kind of funny. Um, and, and But then, you know, once they get back to the Texas Chainsaw House, which if you've seen these films, you, you, you know the Texas Chainsaw House. Um, McConaughey just goes off the rails. It's not fun. It's, it's I wouldn't call it boring, because it's almost so bad that it commands your attention.
1: And at the same time, you're still watching two big actors in this movie. Now, at, at the time, they didn't know that. But... It's like you're watching like a, a like McConaughey movie and yeah. a, and a Zellweger movie. They they both have won Oscars. It's like it's crazy to think that at some point in their like a career that they got to this point.
0: Yeah, together in the together, same together in the same, the same slasher and film, and yeah.
1: this had the budget of six hundred thousand. So like whoever casted them did a tremendous job. Kudos to them. That's why it, this movie's not less because it has those two in this movie.
0: Despite their performances both being, I, I I think McConaughey's overstated, whereas I actually think Renee Zellweger is a little bit understated. Um, it's an absolute shitstorm. There's this weird Illuminati subplot that I they kind of like.
1: Why they added that? I have no idea. Um, yeah, and like the family sucks. Like, really bad. It's not the, and we don't even know what the, I don't even know what their name is in, in this movie because it it's not the Sawyer... It frankly the, doesn't even matter. It's a family that eats pizza. Instead of eating people.
0: Why weren't they eating that pizza, man? That was really giving me anxiety. It was just
1: sitting there, yeah.
0: I just wanted to jump through my TV and eat a slice. But, um, yeah, the, the family's really bad. Uh, Leatherface himself is really... Th- this is the worst portrayal.
1: Worst portrayal. Uh, it was played by Robert Jacks. Uh, he uh, did pass away uh, not long after filming. I think in like 2001 he passed away. Um, wasn't good. He uh, screams a lot. Comes across as... Like whiny, whiny, very whiny, yeah, and like not scary at all.
0: My major bone to pick with this franchise a lot of the times is that they make Leatherface. It's like they're trying to make the, the viewer sympathize with Leatherface, mm-hmm. right? Whereas maybe I'm just old school slasher. I want my, I want Leatherface.
1: You got nothing to like be that. brutal in uh, the uh, first movie. There was nothing like that where he just fit in with the family, and it's just a crazy family and. I feel like later on in movies are like, well, he's not really like one of them. He's just misunderstood or something. Yeah, you know, it's like why? Like the first movie works so well with they all just blend well, and it's like why are you trying to make him now? Well, do you know what's why? It? Why are you trying to feel for him now?
0: Do you know what's interesting about that? Maybe Toby Hooper himself kind of set that precedent because he directed part two, and he was much more sympathetic in that film. Right. So maybe that was just
1: a—he like literally has a um, love in in that movie. He, like, like he's in love with somebody in part two. It's kind of yeah. like, uh, why does Leatherface have feelings? Yeah,
0: and it and it's it's more acceptable in that film because it was Toby Hooper himself. That was his, you know, that's his baby. Right that was like
1: the mid '80s, so it's kind of like you know, like yeah. you kind of let that pass, and like they went way off the way, uh, like they went totally different for the sequel Uh, i mean we'll talk about that movie later but
0: there's a few really bad films in this franchise to me and 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 i know you agree with me this is easily the worst i think in part because it's often just
1: offensive there's nothing different about this movie there's very little redeeming quality i know they try and throw like the um illuminati thing at you and like that just doesn't stick at all
0: it doesn't it's a wink wink thing like they don't really come out and say it's the illuminati but even the guy at the end uh you know the mem- the the lead guy of that Illuminati that cult like uh, group. Yeah. He comes in and and he licks yeah. Renee Zellweger's character. And again, there's more. So
1: what's the point? of it, it? It's not
0: scary. It's not even creepy. It's actually just weird and off putting. Mm-hmm. I really, I actually really don't like anything about this movie. Very very yeah. similar to Resurrection. Very similar to our yeah. next movie too. I think these bottom three are for sure are consensus bottom yeah, three
1: exactly like we kind of had to just pick out the hat for these bottom three because we hit them right. all equally this movie just had kind of has like a low budget feel that just makes you feel like like you feel gross watching it
0: i think if i watched this movie as a kid um, because you know i just watched it for the first time a couple of years ago and i just rewatched it within the past month or so i think if i watched this movie as a kid it would have just turned me off i don't think i would have been scared
1: like I think can, I just
0: would have been weird. Do you to imagine add. if
1: this was like the first one that you ever saw when you were like twelve years old, thirteen? Like For you, was this the first one that you saw? No, no. Okay. The, the first one I saw was actually the remake in the, O three. Oh, okay. It's the first sex chainsaw I saw.
0: well that's acceptable. Yeah, that's so good. That's
1: when I was like, okay, let me see. Let me sink my more. teeth in. Yeah.
0: Let me sink my teeth in. Yeah. All right, guys. We're gonna move on. So, just to recap, we have Halloween Resurrection, number fifty-one. That's our worst film out of all these franchises. We have number fifty, which we were just speaking about, Texas Chainsaw, Next Generation, Matthew McConaughey's best role ever. Uh, Moving on to number forty-nine, we have the worst installment. Again, I actually think this is pretty universal. Going back to what I said about Next Generation for Texas Chainsaw. Uh, that this is the worst installment of uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. This is Freddy's Dead. This was, if you're a slasher fan, you know how this goes. This was supposedly the last installment of the franchise. Um, and thank God that it wasn't. If I had to put one word to this movie, it would be pathetic. This is a super pathetic film.
1: It's uh, Freddy Krueger at his worst, definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah, You got the worst of his one-liners maybe the movie before. But this one's just kinda of just like you're just beating a dead horse at this point with his one liners.
0: Yeah, this is a this is a franchise that like,
1: is is this the way that they really wanted him to end?
0: Well, let's get into that. It was it was directed by Rachel Talalay, it was released in ninety one. You know, rewatching this movie for the first time in a long time, it's almost like they weren't trying. No. You you can watch Next Generation and you can at least kinda of extract some semblance of a vision. Although right. it was a bad one, but this movie is bad. I mean the 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 way they lead into this movie. The plot is that uh, every teenager in Springwood, which is um, you know the fictional setting for the franchise, has committed suicide. Every teenager has committed suicide. Which every that, single one. Yeah, think about that for a second. Which that in itself is just utterly ridiculous. But worse than the plot is the fact that they turned Freddy. From a menacing figure, a genuinely scary slasher villain, um, and they turned to him. They tried. They failed, but they tried to turn him into a lovable goofball.
1: Right. This is right around the time when they started like making dolls of him, and like they were just yeah. trying to sell some merchandise, basically.
0: It was a... he. he they tried. I, I guess they succeeded. I, I keep wanting to say I tried, right. but they told... They turned him... They successfully turned him into a pop culture icon.
1: But... The one thing he was not in these last maybe two or three movies of of that franchise, he was not scary at all. And
0: that's what I meant when I said that they didn't even try because they didn't they didn't even try to make Freddy scary. I've always looked at this film and wondered, um, what did Robert Englund think? You know, I've always. I'm wondered... pretty sure he's been
1: on record of saying he wasn't happy with the last two, but at that point, he was Freddy, and like you know he's damn proud of being Freddy Krueger, and he would never sure. ha- hand that down to anybody else. Right. And it didn't happen until 2010 when they made the remake, and now that they even asked him to do it.
0: But, I, but I, I was just thinking, I mean, you you would think that, uh, you know, at this point in the franchise, the, the, the name Robert Englund was and still is very synonymous Fred with Freddy Krueger. But, you know, you would think that he had enough clout to at least dictate a little bit what he wanted to happen in these right. films. I almost feel bad for Robert Englund watching this right. movie.
1: Like from having to be in part one, even the first three to four movies of this series are absolute fan favorites. We love them. You would think after a little bit, they would almost give him a say, Like there's no way he was all about these one-liners. Like there's uh, literally, there's
0: literally think. a scene where, where he's controlling a character in a video game. And, uh, And I I want to say that I know this movie delves into the comedy aspect of Freddy Krueger, but the comedy also freaking sucks.
1: It doesn't hit at all. Like, I'm all for a slasher movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. This just, like, has no respect for itself. (laughs)
0: Right, um, it's it's a gigantic misfire by Rachel Talloway. by the way, and we'll correct ourselves as we move forward with this five part series. But by our account, she's actually the only female director on this entire list of
1: all fifty one movies. If, yeah, if and if uh, this happened back in ninety one, so we will give her credit for you know, in in a genre that's really just dominated by males that yeah. she comes out and directs this movie twenty nine years ago
0: and uh you know that's something to be spoken about but the comedy is not well written in fact i think the comedy is half-assed like keep in mind let's to re- let's reiterate this was supposed to be the last film of the franchise and the fact that freddie died
1: thank one god the-
0: that it wasn't thank
1: god that Wes thank god craven west made craven made the movie a couple years later rest in peace
0: west craven thank you <laughs> With literally without Wes Craven, I'm I not, think he
1: probably saw this movie and said, "No, there's no way this is how we're ending Freddy." Honest to God, I'm literally gonna make my own movie right now.
0: <laughs> honest to God, without Wes Craven, would we be sitting here recording a podcast? I mean, that's how no. important this guy is. Um, he's he's one of the best, but
1: if not the best,
0: you know the way uh, Rachel Talalay and the writers for this film originally intended for this franchise to end was in one-on-one combat with is de- Freddy Krueger's underdeveloped daughter, which, it's bad. It's it's a bad mm-hmm. fight scene. What else do you have to say about this movie, man? I, mean, uh, I, I don't have a whole lot of good things to say no, about No, but film. I will
1: talk about what could have been, uh, that Peter Jackson actually wrote a script for this movie um, involving an old, frail Freddy Krueger, where the teenagers know that he's old and frail, so they have slumber parties where they get all got drugged up i guess and they go into dreams and they just beat the shit out of freddie to a point where um eventually he grows strong enough to get his revenge but even that sounds more interesting than what they came out with with this and i kind of wish we would have seen that version
0: that doesn't sound fantastic to me um it sounds and, different but I, but i mean this genuinely i think just about any idea
1: was better than, than the one that got. was actually put on
0: the big screen right
1: exactly and it's Peter Jackson, so I'm sure he wrote it more – I'm sure he wrote it better than what I'm explaining it as, but
0: – You know, there's a twist at the end of this movie, like I said, where uh, our final girl is revealed to be Freddy Krueger's daughter.
1: Enough of the family lines, man.
0: And that's – it's revealed 35 minutes left in the movie, and that's okay. Right. But up to that point, the movie is so bad that Why who you really gives a flying you-know-what about a plot – You know. The, Nobody no cares. cares. The film is gone. It's dead and buried they, by they that point.
1: Would have been better off just, just like bringing it up like ten minutes into the movie, so right. you at least know to follow this character as Freddie's daughter. To make you give a shit. Yeah, right. They, nothing about
0: this movie made you give a shit. In fact, uh, for me personally, it just this movie pisses me off. Um, I love the original. Nightmare on the Street, I love...
1: I, th- I don't, think I, we love the first three or four I do Yeah, of I don't, don't like, want to
0: spoil too much, but I do love Dream Warriors Part 3. And again, I don't want to spoil too much. see where they
1: went in just like three years, four years, how do you fall off so much?
0: It's a big slap in the face to and Robert Englund.
1: It, yeah, and he's the one that stayed with the franchise. And it's like to see him go from that to he, this. He des-
0: he deserves so much better than this movie. Uh, anyone who fell in love with the, uh, the franchise particularly the original. And most people really love Part 3 as well. This is a big slap in the face to you too. Let's keep it rolling, man. Let's go to number 48. Um, This is the, by our estimation, the second to worst film of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Texas Chainsaw 3D, released in 2013. And this is actually a film that you and I and our buddy Keith saw in theaters.
1: Right. This is definitely... I think this is the movie in our top 10 that is the most recent. And it's, and like you wouldn't expect it. Like they come out with a 3D movie in 2013. First of all, this movie came out in January. So that's everything that you need to know about this movie. It's nothing good ever comes out in January. A 3D movie in 2013. Like, is there anyone sitting in a movie theater in 2013 going, Whoa!
0: That chainsaw <laughs> was coming right for me, man. Whoa. It's a bad concept. Um, what's even worse is the execution, in my opinion, right. of this movie. It's it's so, so
1: bad. And it is a movie that had a big budget. It, uh was a $20 million budget. So it's not like this was made, you know, like this took a lot of time. For $20 million, you'd expect a lot more. Um, and now I know it's not all about budget. You think they put a little bit more into this? Like you don't have to spend it all on the actual film. Spend it on the writing. Spend it on the acting. I don't know if that all went to Trey songs or <laughs> like what. But
0: it's funny you say that because I've always looked at this movie as a teen
1: slasher, right?
0: You know, it was really made for the PG thirteen crowd. This could
1: have easily been PG thirteen. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm honestly shocked that they didn't make it me PG-13. too because
0: it felt very PG thirteen. More money out of it. The biggest violation of this movie, the final girl. Her name is Heather, played by Alexandra Daddario. You know, she was supposedly... well known. Yeah. She was in uh, uh, tr- the first season of True Detective. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she, in 1974, in the original Texas Chainsaw, she was a baby. This movie was uh, released in 2013... If for anyone who, you know, struggles with math a little bit. She looks bit, very
1: good for being 40 years old.
0: Yeah, 39 going on 40, man. It's uh, it's it's so silly, and they never bothered. They don't even try. They didn't bother to explain it, and I think they didn't bother to explain it, because how could you? So they took the lazy way out and, and, and just neglected it. She's not great in this movie, but she's also not one of the bigger issues. I mean, you know, pretty much there's, anybody there's could have played Heather. so many
1: that you don't even think about her, yeah. really. Um, right, right. When you think about a movie like this, like, you always think, what could you have done to make it a little bit better? It's like, why not just set it in the early 90s, you know, to make it actually line up with the timeline? You know, like, why do you have to add an iPhone into it? You know, like, the scene with uh, the cop going through through the house with his <sighs> iPhone. It's like, yeah, you know, like, just make it, like, a natural 90s movie, you know? But that's just them not caring, not, not trying, like maybe they're sponsored by Apple, so they had to, you know, have an iPhone. Uh, it's... They don't care about this movie at all.
0: And I actually think the characters in this movie might be worse than our main uh, protagonists in Next Generation, because they are so utterly stupid. They, yeah, like, you know, they, yeah. they, they run over, um, you know, somebody at a gas station. Essentially, I'll call him a hitchhiker. That's not really what he was, but he was a drifter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Heather takes over this mansion left to her from her family her grandmother. And they leave this drifter, who they have not known for but a few hours, in the house by himself.
1: That she had just it's, gotten.
0: And it's such a lazy plot device because you, you know this guy is just going to die, right? I right. mean, it's just super uncreative. Um, and there's a scene where Trey Songz's character is trying to drive away when from Leatherface. Drives right
1: into the gate. I know exactly where you're going with this. And that's, he, yeah, and he... And that's he, like... To a point where it's like hard to watch. It's like
0: he tries to drive through 50
1: miles an hour against a guy with a chains, a 250 pound guy with a chainsaw and you you
0: into an iron gate. Leatherface does not run. I mean, he moves quickly. He's not like Michael and Jason, you know, he might give you, might give you a limp, light jog. But again, they had, you know, you, you can make a case that maybe we're being nitpicky, but if you've seen this film, we're not being nitpicky. It's the characters are super, super dumb um the director of this movie was uh john lucen co-written by adam marcus who also co-wrote another movie that we're going to be getting into in a little bit i won't say the name of it but once we get into that movie you'll kind of understand why the writing to both these films were you will
1: hear it very pretty soon. bad
0: yeah the characters in this movie are super bad uh, I actually don't think the, the portrayal of Leatherface is all that terrible, but, it's I think, not, uh, but I think the way he was written was super bad, and you you can get into that a little bit. The way, again, it's all, it all comes back to making him more of a sympathetic character than an actual villain.
1: Right, and can we just get into our most, to our favorite line of the whole movie?
0: Yeah, so we went over uh, a bunch of one-liners, I mean, Buster Rhymes had some. Just got awful uh, one-liners in uh, Halloween Resurrection. And then Freddy's Dead is basically just bad one-liner after bad one-liner. But perhaps the worst one-liner of any of these 51 films. It turns out, Alexandra Daddario's character is actually Leatherface's cousin. And there's a point toward the end of the film where, again, Leatherface not being pinpointed as the main antagonist for some freaking reason... Is in a battle with uh, the, the sheriff mayor. and 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 who turns out to be his his son, his deputy. Um, and uh, Alexandria Daddario's character tosses leatherface the chains the chainsaw in the midst of his battle. And Mike, I want you to take it away. Tell me what Alexandria
1: Daddario says in that. She tells him to.
0: Do you think, Cuz? Do you and think, Cuz? This is
1: after he's already killed all of her friends.
0: You know, they 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 made Leatherface overly sympathetic again, where he's in a battle with the deputies at the end, and they clearly want you to almost root for Leatherface, Leatherface right? Which and to I, me is just
1: crazy. It's like they basically never learned their lesson from like a Next Generation Part Two yeah like we can root for him because we like Michael myers and jason and leatherface but not to a point where it's like they have um emotions and feelings like we don't need to see that part of them like we're here for them to scare us why is he being taken care of now by his family members like why it's like
0: she just blindly agrees to take care of him because they're because they're cousins does does this girl not have any aspirations in life doesn't she want to go home and and finish school
1: verna like she's just going to stay at the house and feed them and that's so I mean, it's it's a nice house. I mean, yeah, if to <laughs> live there for us, the of your life, fine. But
0: yeah, it's um, the one thing. The one good thing I'll say about this movie, and it's not really a testament to the movie itself, but uh, in a brief scene in the beginning, uh, Gunnar Hansen was included in the house. The, this was actually Gunnar scene Hansen's is last well film. Well made,
1: and it's, it, it's not it's, terrible. Um, yeah, it's, um, edited well. It is. I do like the opening scene of this, um, and this it's was actually like a tribute in a way to the original.
0: It felt as though I remember yeah. when
1: you're watching it in theaters for the first time, you're like, "Wow, this might actually be something." Right, and then you know they just pull their pants down and shit on you for the next 90 minutes.
0: You're not wrong, man, and it's fitting that Gunnar Hansen is in that opening scene because this actually ends up being his final and, film and
1: with Bill Mosley. Yeah, but definitely with Gunnar Hansen, and then they just kill them all off.
0: Yeah, but Gunnar Hansen, rest in peace to an absolute legend, Uh, the the OG Leatherface. So moving along, our number 47 film here is, by our estimation, the second to worst of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Um, We're going to get into another really bad film from this franchise here shortly, but by our estimation, this is the second worst. It is uh, Dream Child. Uh, which was released in 1989. It was directed by Stephen Hopkins. This is the fifth installment of the franchise. And if Freddy's Dead was the final nail in the coffin, this movie signified a franchise on life support.
1: Definitely. Um, um, it then, had a $22 million box office, which at the time uh, is the second lowest in the franchise. Actually, it still is the second lowest. Uh, so that's just a sign right there that fans were kind of fed up with uh, the uh, direction that this franchise was going in. Uh, the installment before part four wasn't so bad, but you could kind of see where it was going. And then this movie just like signified where, like what it is at that point.
0: Well, you know, I, I think four was mainly just a disappointment because it was coming off such a strong installment uh, uh Dream, Dream Warriors, Dream Warriors right? in the third installment but this movie was much, much worse than even the fourth installment, which is Dream Master. And I think I think Dream Child really suffers from uh, being overly complex and convoluted. I think they really dug deep into the uh, the Freddy Krueger mythology in this movie to a point where most of what is going on doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If there's one thing a slasher shouldn't be... It's
1: complicated.
0: It's complicated and confusing. You know, I've I've watched this movie uh, far too many times. But, you know, each time I watch it, you always kind of... There, there's at least always two or three, if not more, points within the film where you kind of stop and think to yourself, what the hell is going on here? The story is so bogged down with nonsense. Um, I think Lisa Wilcox as Alice, is, is not bad given the material uh, that, she, that she's provided with here, but also this is also the point in the franchise. Again, I, I mentioned that I really think this was the beginning of the downfall to the franchise. Uh, this is where
1: Freddy Krueger really, really digs deep into the comedy. It's kind of the first movie where he's not scary anymore. Like, when you start to see him ride a skateboard, uh, it kind of starts with his uh, really bad one-liners.
0: Lisa Wilcox is not bad. She's not the problem with this movie. It's overly convoluted. It's very hard to follow. It's campy. It's, it's campy in in all the wrong places. It delves into the bullshit mythology of Freddy Krueger, which to me has never been even a little bit entertaining.
1: No. That's what makes the original great, I think. Even the first three movies. I mean, I, I know the third kind of delves more into it. Yeah. But it's kind of, at that point when you're in the fifth movie of a franchise, like, who cares? We're just here for good scares and for good kills. And this movie has three kills total in a 90-minute runtime. There's three kills.
0: And I think the writing is super lazy. Like, in the first 10, the first act of the film, for sure, either 10 or 15 minutes in, uh... You know, Alice graduates from high school, and uh, you know there's a couple lazy character development devices there, where her boyfriend Dan, uh, he's being recruited by a football team, and Dan's dad says he has a need for speed, you know, uh, alluding to the football field. And how does Dan die? He dies on a motorcycle. And in fact, Freddy Krueger says that, same, exact says that line, same line. And I just hate that, man. And it's Greta, like a
1: fore- foreshadowing of every death. It kind of started um, a little bit in Nightmare 4 where it's like you yeah. see what these people's pet peeves are or what their weakness is. And of course, Freddy's going to use it. But by, but by this movie, you already know. How these people are gonna die.
0: I just think that's a really overly convenient way for the writers to dictate create more creative right. ways for Freddy to kill people in his in his dream worlds. And I'm not really entertained by it. Some of the kills, not in this movie, but we'll get into Dream Master a little bit more. Some of the kills in that movie are at least a little bit more creative than the kills right. in this movie. Um, I think if there's a redeeming quality about this movie I actually do enjoy Lisa Wilcox like I said I don't think she's bad in this movie she's probably the best part about this movie but also her relationship with her dad in Dream Master he was an alcoholic and I actually think her relationship in this movie is pretty good specifically when they find out that she's pregnant with uh, Dan's child And Dan's parents come over and they want to basically claim the child and uh, Alice's dad sticks up for her. So I actually think there's some pretty good character development there from the fourth installment to the fifth installment being Dream Child. I I, I like the relationship between Alice and her dad. Other than that, I don't really... That's definitely why
1: we have it ranked above Freddy's Dead. Because if you look at it as a whole, these movies are pretty much the same.
0: They're similar. But this
1: movie is more well-written than Freddy's Dead. There's a... you do feel more for the characters in this movie than you do in Freddy's dead.
0: And I think that helps in large part due to Lisa Wilcox, Mm -hmm. you know, playing, playing our final girl here, although she's not fantastic. sounds like you have a question, uh, Lisa
1: Wilcox. Well, man, well, well,
0: let's move forward. I don't want my wife to get too jealous here. So let's, let's move on to our 46th film here. And this is by our estimation, the worst installment of our second favorite franchise, which is Friday the 13th. It's, uh, Jason goes to hell, and I think this movie really, really suffers in large part because it's not really a Jason Voorhees movie.
1: It's not, no. Uh, it was directed by a 23-year-old at the time, Adam Marcus, who co-wrote Texas Chainsaw 3-Day. Yeah. Uh, we had that ranked 48 in our rankings, um, so obviously Adam Marcus isn't our favorite, uh, but we do give him props. So, I mean, to be a 23-year-old, to be given a Friday the 13th series, like that, that takes... Like, that's a lot of responsibility, Um, especially uh, this was the first movie to be released by New Line in uh, the Friday the 13th series. So the fact that they decided to go this route, it's kind of strange. It's like, all right, so you just bought Jason Voorhees and this is this is what you do with him. Like, it's kind of like you kind of thought you like you think you want them to make the road, you know, make a Friday the 13th movie, not. Whatever the hell this thing was
0: there's a couple of redeeming qualities about this movie um as disappointing as it is uh C- Kane hotter for for what you know he's only in it not even the first act the first mm-hmm. ten minutes or so right he looks fantastic
1: it is a great look for Jason
0: I just love Kane Hodder. We'll, and yeah. you know we'll, we'll get into that with like uh, that
1: opening scene like this is why this movie's ranked uh, not in the bottom three because that opening scene. With Jason is terrifying. Like, it's... It's great. He, he looks great. He has good jump scares.
0: His hockey mask is kind of melting into his face. Right. It's becoming one with his face.
1: Like, he almost looks like an old man at this point. Like, but... Which he should seasoned, yeah, an old
0: grizzled zombie, which is what he was. That's what he is. And another redeeming quality about this movie, before we get into a little bit more of what we don't like about it, is they very clearly invested some money into the uh, special effects in terms of the gore. There's a lot of kills here that actually just look downright uh, uh, creepy, very Mm -hmm. very unsettling. Friday the Thirteenth had kind of hit its stride where the kills had gotten a little bit repetitive and they became a little more toned down and scaled back. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie, they, they really take the kills and they, uh, you know, they bring it to the umpteenth level here. A lot of the kills are very bloody. Even the initial kill where this, the, um, the person dissecting Jason's body eats his heart. I mean, even that's very graphic, very
1: gory movie. Yeah. With really good kills. I've, I've always told you this, that if this movie were just Jason and he was going around doing the same exact kills that happened in this movie, it would be a ranked a lot higher because it is an entertaining movie because of the kills yeah, and the gore where they lose you is the storyline. They, they try and throw that family line BS, you know, and it just doesn't stick.
0: I hate what they did because, uh, they actually made Jason an uncle. Right In this movie, which Halloween already did that with
1: Jamie yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, and know? this was 1993 at Come this on. point. you gotta do better than that at that point. New Line was maybe a little stuck here, because at this point, they only owned the rights to Jason. They didn't own the rights to Tommy Jarvis or any character. And they actually tried to bring him on to this movie, the uh, character of Tommy Jarvis, but they legally couldn't. So all they owned was Jason, and they tried to make the most out of it, but it's like, why not just make a Jason movie, man? Why well, do you have to go into this?
0: It's funny you say that because I actually think, in retrospect, the character of Steven in this movie, who essentially serves as your final guy, right. quote unquote, is sort of reminiscent of a Tommy Jarvis Definitely. type character. And I, you know, I think the characters in this movie aren't that bad. Beginning with Steven, I actually think he's a guy that's pretty easy to root for. I
1: think that Creighton Duke is a good character. Crane Duke's pretty actually, badass. You know, I think that role was actually offered to Tony
0: Todd. Which is, which is great. I mean, you and I love Candyman. And, uh, we his, love Tony Todd. His recurring appearances in the Final Destination franchise are always welcomed. But, uh, you know, again, I, I I don't think the characters in this movie are that bad. Steve and no. Duke, even the diner owners, the husband and wife, right, are kind of enjoyable. They're you know? believable
1: and they're enjoyable. Yeah. Like, it's not people that you want to die, really. You know? It's, yeah. They're, <laughs> that's kind of what you ask for in horror movies. And so. their
0: son, Ward. I mean, you really don't root for him to die. Uh, cuz he kind of helped Steven out at one point but it, it it's a it's a strange movie uh because it's not a it's really not a Jason Voorhees movie although it is technically a Friday the 13th movie it's not a movie that i would deem super rewatchable no you not know at all.
1: it's definitely the movie that i have seen the least amount of times of all the fridays
0: yeah, oh for sure. And I it's definitely uh and the fact
1: that it's never aired on AMC or anything, you know, like you never see, you know, when they have their marathons it's they, definitely they the, just skip over it's this the, movie.
0: It's definitely the least accessible. And we're gonna get into another Friday thirteenth movie here in a little bit.
1: Uh do you wanna um, get into the ending of this movie and kinda why we do enjoy this? Like yeah, it does give it. you the ultimate cliffhanger.
0: Oh that that's the best yeah. I mean, yeah. there there are redeeming
1: qualities to this film, obviously, but yeah, I mean, hit me with the best part. New Line had already owned uh, Freddy Krueger, so everyone, so um, everyone, like, kind of knew where this was going. But the fact that they actually showed it at the end of this movie with Jason's mask after he had died in this movie in the uh, sand, um, the sand, yep, yeah. just Freddy's hand or and, like Freddy's glove just reaching over and grabbing his mask with his laugh. It, it's a perfect ending to a movie. It's a perfect cliffhanger, basically, to this movie, uh, and. Really, we didn't get Freddy vs. Jason for another 10 years.
0: Based on what you just said, I mean, I will add to that a little bit, and we'll we'll go into this much, much deeper when we get into the actual Freddy vs. Jason right. movie. Based on what we've seen from Kane Hodder at this point in the franchise, it's an absolute crime that we didn't get to see Robert Englund versus Kane Hodder yeah, right. in Freddy And to me, that makes and Freddy vs. Jason. He's been very
1: public about that. About- yeah,
0: as he should, as he should. In summary, this is not really that bad of a film. It's just not a Jason Voorhees film, which makes it a disappointing Friday the 13th film. There's some good characters here, there's some good gore Ultimately, it just doesn't hit home enough for it to be ranked anything other than the worst film in this franchise for of me course. personally. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's uh number 45 in what we deem the third worst installment of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and that's the 2010 remake.
1: You do hate this movie more than I do. I do hate
0: this movie more than you. Um, in fact, I think if I had it my way, it would have been ranked worse than Jason Goes to Hell. And I just want to explain myself before I get to your opinion, Mike. You know, I think remakes, especially slasher remakes, they get a, a, a bad reputation. People are just jaded toward the remake. And I think this movie is the poster child ...of everything wrong with remakes. I think it's a very cookie-cutter, slightly rehashed version of the original with less interesting characters. A far inferior Freddy Krueger, although this is not Jackie Earl Haley's fault... But I just hate this movie. There, there's not a lot of originality. In fact, there's really no originality. If I can, if I can just go out and say there, that there,
1: there is none at all. I do agree with that. Well, um, tell me, tell me what
0: you think. I mean, do you, do you, what, what are your redeeming qualities for this movie?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. So I know when they made this movie that it was just strictly for money. It, it was a money maker. Uh, it was made on a 35 million dollar budget, which is by far the biggest like budget. In our bottom 10, it actually might be the biggest budget of any of, of all 51 movies. Because $35 million for a slasher movie is, is insane. Um, but they proved to be right because they made $115 million at the box office, which which is what they wanted. I don't think they really did care about actually what they were making. Um, I will say this is the movie for me that actually made Freddy somewhat scary again. I know there was he wasn't campy uh he was more there were a lot more jump scares in this movie it was a very fast-paced movie um lots of kills short movie um I think it didn't know what it was in a way like it knew it wasn't a great movie I just I don't
0: think I don't think they gave a shit though
1: no I don't think they did either um And I'm not trying to stick up for this movie anyway, because I, you know, I agreed with Ty that this should be in the bottom 10. I kind of fought for it to be towards the, you know, towards the low 40s. Ty kind of wanted it to be the high 40s.
0: I I just hate the unoriginality and laziness. There's a couple scenes, I mean, they... They rehashed the bathtub scene where the glove comes out. That's and, bad. Except it's a million times less scary, and the the scene in the original where Robert Englund, using practical effects, comes out of the wall in the bedroom, and, and they do the like, same goddamn thing. Except this time, CGI, it's computer generated. And you can see
1: how bad it looks. And even
0: the way the film ends, um, Nancy's mom dies it's just instead of uh, her being pulled through the front door like in the original mm. she gets pulled through a mirror come on there's just nothing here that makes this good the character stink i actually think Rooney Mara is pretty bad in this movie man i just think she's
1: as good as, as good as an actress that she is yeah she's not nothing she's miscast she's, yeah she's very like she plays like a gothic nancy i guess you could say it's a very dark movie so it, I do have to say, it is a movie that does, kind of, it did scare me the first time I watched it. And that's what, that's more than I can say about the other six movies that we have already gone over. I have had I a little bit of jump scares watching it for the first time. Obviously, you watch it over and over again. I think the opening scene is great. The opening scene is different and it's good. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of where they went different with this movie. And then after that scene, it's kind of just like, all right, let's do the, um, original but in 2010 but worse yeah and and worse with worse characters with worse characters and
0: cgi but no i mean i you know you watch that opening scene and you think maybe you're getting into something here right like oh, oh okay a creative remake because keep in mind rob zombie made his halloween remake in 2007 and uh marcus nispel made the friday 13th remake in 2009 which with with, with and Texas you know,
1: Chainsaw in two thousand three, right? But already and yeah, it's but
0: just a year prior was Friday the Thirteenth, and that had somewhat of original tape And
1: we'll get to that in another week or two.
0: Yeah, because we did enjoy that. I, it, there's just things about this movie, you know. Um, a lot of people like. I think it's very popular to uh, uh, to get on Jackie Earl Haley's um, back about this movie. I don't think he's even close to being the worst part about this movie. He, I agree. He did not kill this movie. I think this movie was dead by the time he even arrived on set.
1: Right. And he was obviously cast for this movie because of his role in Watchmen. Uh, he kind of played like the same type of like a CGI character. Um, he's not the problem. He doesn't help it. There,
0: There is in the third act a point where they decide to give him more lines and I actually don't think he's good. And the voice, it like doesn't. It's not his voice. Jackie or Haley is a little bit exposed in that third act. Again, I, I where I, he actually has to start saying
1: lines and acting right, and it ends with them saying, uh, "The only way that we can kill him is by pulling him into the real world." It's like, well, Naturally. we know that already because yeah. you said that in six other movies. Well,
0: let's get on to uh, number forty-four, and this is the worst installment. Of the Child's Play franchise. It's Seed of Chucky. And believe it or not. This is one of the masterminds of Chucky. If not the mastermind. Don Mancini. This is his directorial debut. And this is easily. The worst Child's Play movie. He's come a
1: long way. If you see the other um, installments. That he's directed. Uh, He's actually done. Every movie since this movie. First time watching this. You're kind of like. Maybe that's not for him. Like maybe he's more of a writer producer. Right. It's not a terrible movie. Uh, I think it knows what it is. It doesn't take itself very seriously. Uh, it kind of capitalizes on Bride Chucky. Like there, there wasn't there. There's no reason to really after Bride Chucky. There's no reason to keep going. Like I kind of wish they would just like. There's no reason for this movie to really exist after Bride Chucky.
0: i always looked at this movie as Don Mancini just trying to have a good time. Right. But You I can't also, blame
1: him for that. But I
0: also don't think that's what the franchise warranted at this point in time because it actually was coming off a pretty well-received and successful movie and turn in direction with Bride of Chucky. Bride of Chucky
1: kind of went off the rails. I, well, no, it actually really did go off the rails. I but think this it, movie just took it and just went way off the rails. But I think Bride was a good changing
0: direction it it, it was unnecessary
1: after child's play three it's kind of like are we going to keep getting the same movie and bride chucky said no we're going to go in this direction and that's why it's not in our bottom 10
0: but the thing about seed is there's a difference between being self-aware and being meta and then uh you know there's slapstick comedy and that's really what seed of chucky delves into don mancini Mm -hmm. just just
1: just just lets himself loose in this movie and this movie definitely probably seems close to him because he is a gay man. And this movie does dive into those uh, themes. Um, Gender
0: dysphoria. Which right. This was released in um, 2004, and that's super ahead of its time right. in terms of that particular subject uh, with with Glenda being born uh, as, as, as Chucky and Tiffany's baby. It's super ahead of its time. I give it credit for that. I actually think Don Mancini is always a little bit ahead of the curve with stuff like that. Because again, like you said, he's a and gay man.
1: You see that with his other movies; like he yeah. is ahead of it. Like he knows what to do it and when to do it.
0: And I enjoy that about Don Mancini. I think that's really fun and interesting. I just, you know, th- th- there's a couple other movies within these top, uh, you know, these 51 films here that we're ranking that i wouldn't necessarily show to somebody if they came to me and said hey introduce me to the slasher genre
1: this is one of them
0: <laughs> this is the bottom three this is, yeah this is the bottom three i'm not sure if it's the last but it's definitely the bottom
1: three it's up there with like texas chainsaw next generation maybe like halloween resurrection and jason goes to hell
0: you know if somebody's coming to me for a slasher film halloween 3 is not really a slasher film, right you know uh, but but just some of the face. some of the yeah Leatherface some some of the comedy in this in this movie does hit unlike does. F- unlike Freddy's Dead I think it makes
1: fun of like in Hollywood in a way and like that's kind of funny like yeah it, so it's making fun of itself kind huh? of it's time like, Hollywood is just a business where it depends who you sleep with that you know if you want to be a big actress or not or a big actor you know and that kind of dives into it and it is like self aware in that way
0: Don Mancini had some serious audacity making this movie Make this, and
1: this is the last of the child's play to actually be in theaters i can't believe this is crazy in i can't it's believe this was in imagine. theaters either like this came out uh november 12 2004 um i have the numbers right here for uh it had a 12 million dollar budget and actually made almost 25 million dollars in the box office so it almost doubled its profits i'm shocked that it even made that much in the box office yeah um Must have been marketed well, I guess. But um, it did somewhat
0: well. There's just a really, you know, there's a few pieces of the humor that I've always just hated. First and foremost, the, uh,
1: the Britney Spears of course he has to drop the, oops, I did it again. Like, yeah. And like, this was 2004. I'm pretty sure that song came out like four years prior. We like,
0: talked a, yeah, we talked a little bit earlier about really bad one-liners. Alexandria Dario having maybe the worst in Texas Chainsaw 3D. Probably the worst, yeah. But Chucky, and Freddy, uh, and then, Chucky's notorious for having some bad ones. And that might be one of the worst. I mean, this movie definitely has some of the worst but Chucky one-liners. I think
1: that at least Chucky's funny, though. So for him to stoop low and have bad one-liners is kind of like, like beneath him,
0: the difference is he's a, he, he's also a doll. Yeah, so you can, so you can't
1: take it so serious, but you can
0: have some goofiness. Whereas but if, when
1: you look back at like Brave Chucky, like you don't really think of any like cringy moments, really, and like no. that's a movie that goes off the rails, and you still don't even think of it as being like this is hard to watch,
0: you know. Like, in short, I think this movie—it's um, obviously just Don Mancini taking a lot of creative liberty, which he had earned the right to
1: take that creative right. liberty. Obviously, him being Don Mancini and being—I mean, Chucky is his baby. Like he created this franchise. It's so just whatever it, he wants to do is cool with me. But to me, this is just so easily the worst child's play because it's—it's
0: it's right. barely a slasher. Right. And it's not a lot of fun. You know, I, I really don't find myself ever revisiting this film. No.
1: I think we watched this movie because we found out that we were doing a pocket or because we realized we were doing podcasts. And yeah. We didn't need to watch this again.
0: And also Redman was in this film and it was released in 2004. Uh, maybe I'm just not familiar with hip hop, hip hop culture all that much, but I just don't think he was all that relevant, but maybe that was the point of it too. Maybe well, that, was that role was achieve. actually
1: supposed to go to Quentin Tarantino. He was going to play himself. Um, I think he actually was down for the role, but he was busy with uh, Kill Bill 1 and 2 at, at the time. Slightly better movies than slightly. Caesar so, Chucky. but <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, it may have been a little bit better with Quentin Tarantino playing himself. Because like Red Man is not a director, obviously. There's no bad characters in this movie, really, and the ones that are don't really live for too long. I will give them that.
0: It's a comedy, man. It's comedy. I mean,
1: it's not a slasher, and that's not, not to say there but, aren't
0: good kills. There's, there are uh, decent
1: kills with uh, John Waters death. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, in short, look, this, this is this is so far and above the
1: worst movie in the in this franchise. Um, and we are big fans of the Child's Play franchise. Probably more than most people. I think so. Uh, I think you'll see that when when we do our rankings. Yeah.
0: We're moving on to number 43. And we are back to our favorite franchise. We are into Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Yes. Um, which, by the way, just four years earlier, Nightmare on Elm Street released Freddy's Revenge. So I think they probably could have came up with a better title for this yeah, film.
1: Yeah. But... The, uh, late 80s where we were a weird time for slasher movies that's kind of when they start running out of the juice at that point you could say
0: to me this is the movie that took what what I think what both of us think is an absolute gem in, in uh, Halloween 4 right. and just squashed absolutely mm-hmm. squashed uh whatever whatever goodwill part four had afforded Halloween fans at the time it's a movie that uh Mustafa akkad who was one of the leading minds behind the original Halloween and the Halloween franchise in general, decided to not move forward with Jamie Lloyd as a killer. And at that point, the movie was pretty much dead on
1: arrival. You could tell it was very rushed, this movie. I mean, uh, I don't think it was planned until the, um, the uh, success of Halloween 4. And As soon as they, they saw what type of money that Halloween 4 was bringing in, they said, okay, let's get moving, and we're going to have a Halloween 5 by next October. And you can see it in every scene of this movie, how rushed it is. The uh, director is um, a Frenchman that they brought in. Um, if you want to pronounce his name, I can't.
0: Well, I'll give it a shot. I believe it's Dominique Othenin girard
1: I don't like really much they did with this movie at all. Uh, this is a movie that we could have definitely put in our bottom five, I don't like the uh, portrayal of Michael Myers. I don't like his mask. I don't like the way he walks. And I know at this point I'm nitpicking, but I'm just starting. No, uh, that's not. That's he, not. Nitpicking. He walks with the knife to his chest. That's not how Michael Myers walks ever. Uh, his mask, you, uh, his mask just looks stupid. And of course, we're um, introduced to Tina in this movie.
0: Some really bad characters. Tina, probably the worst character of the entire franchise. Um, in terms of just flamboyancy and uh, uh, being obnoxious and annoying and uh, uninteresting, Spitz also in this movie stinks on ice. But you know, you're you're taking the best part of you know Halloween four in Daniel Harris as a young Jamie Lloyd, Rachel. and you and, yeah, and you are you are literally removing Jamie Lloyd's voice. Yeah, who as a child exactly. actress was just fantastic in Halloween 4. And with with a lesser child actress, I'm not sure Halloween 4 is nearly as good as it is. Her portrayal of right. Jamie Lloyd was just great. And you're putting her back into the series um, in a Rust production, and you're taking away her voice. It's just bad decision-making. And you're also killing, like you said, the final girl in Halloween 4. Again, another really, really good installment that you and I will talk a lot about as we go mm-hmm. on. And you're killing her in the first act right. in a very unceremoniously way. Right. You know, it it it's just a very, very disappointing movie because you're coming off such a high of Halloween four.
1: Right. And then instead of Rachel, who they kill off in the first twenty minutes, they give us Tina, who we don't care about, and she's the one that's given a good death. She's the one that saves Jamie at the end. And it's a slow death, but you know you know, but she's saving her. It's like why wouldn't you just give that to Rachel? Like, like don't you think those deaths like should have been switched? Where like Rachel got Tina's death and Tina gets Rachel's death? Yeah, what
0: is the creative decision
1: behind I that? I, like, it's not like she, it's not like Rachel. Like the actress playing Rachel was like was like a Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, oh, I'm only gonna be in, in this movie for 20 minutes and I want you to kill me off. Like, I'm sure she was all for being a part of the sequel. Um, I just hated what they did with the characters of Part Four. Um, it's a movie that we love and they kind of just they kill off Rachel, they don't give any voice to Jamie and why not make Jamie bad in this movie like and even with Rachel it's, it's weird how they did it right here. It's like she has no anger or anything towards Jamie after she killed her mother. Yeah. It's kind of like that would have been like a good <laughs> like you could have added some like even if she was still close with her like you could you like, you could have added some type of like some more anger towards her in s- a way. Some development Right. Character but there's dog. nothing. It's just her being just acting like that she didn't kill her mom in the in the last movie and then you kill her off.
0: Yeah. Uh, um you know, the beginning of this movie starts with Michael Myers as a continuation from part 4 where he's floating down the river bend and he ends up at this hermit's house and inexplicably, the movie then cuts to one year later and he's actually still in this hermit's So he's,
1: he's still in the house in the same clothes like at um,
0: I don't even know how to explain that. That is no. so. That is so mind-numbingly stupid that I don't it, even know how to comment on It literally on that. says
1: one year later, and then Michael Myers is just in just the same spot there. too. It's funny; he like doesn't even move from the spot that he passed out at.
0: And this hermit didn't think to alert
1: alert anybody the authorities or
0: authorities over <laughs> a course of one year that there was a gu- and he never removed his
1: mask. Like he went all through summer with Michael Myers just laying there. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. This movie is um, it, it's really dumb as a standalone film, but when you think back to Part Four, it actually just makes you a little bit angry. Not right. only is it dumb, it's just it's it just it just it makes you scratch your head.
1: Because Halloween Four left you off on a good cliffhanger. Halloween Five adds nothing, and then the only thing that they do add is the Man in Black, and it's like
0: which is not a welcomed.
1: No. If you're going to add something new to the franchise, why are you adding that?
0: Yeah, and that's... And they don't even
1: explain him in Part 5. They kind of explain it more in The Curse of Michael Myers... Uh, part five um i guess they felt actually, they had to do something like, different The uh, more we talk about it the more i kind of wish we had it <laughs> ranked higher because <laughs> i i hate this movie we, we do hate this
0: movie and again it's because we feel so passionate i think it's about because maybe franchise. we grew up
1: with it in a way we did and yeah. so we might be a little bit biased here like always seeing this on amc like on fear fest maybe
0: and also the sound effects with the cops with the cops
1: man oh god you
0: know um there, there's not a whole lot of there, there's a really good yeah, death
1: scenes. I guess in the barn, maybe with the maybe the, like. the
0: double murder of Sam and Spitz is not bad. With with the not uh, bad. With, with, with the sickle,
1: you, you still have you now. Yeah, there's still like a Doctor Loomis, uh, but even
0: he's a little bit off the rails in this movie.
1: Yeah, Halloween four, you kind of see it coming, but he still is grounded. Yeah, this movie is more him off the rails because by the time you get the curse, he's he's an old man, so you can kind of say this is the first movie where he's just that shit crazy Agreed. I mean he he is in every movie but this is a movie where he's actually just a There's a old scene man. there's
0: a scene toward the end of the film where Jamie falls down um a shoot
1: that's that's a great scene And that's
0: that's actually pretty good I mean if there's one scene that anybody from the, from anybody needs to see from this particular movie that's about the only scene that I would recommend, I recommend in terms of intensity in, in terms of intensity and getting the feel for what Michael Myers really has to offer Right. Um, other than that, this movie's pretty, pretty disposable. Want to move on?
1: Let's go.
0: Let's do it, man. Number 42. We are moving on. We're going back to Texas. Okay. We're going back to Texas. We're going to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We are going to the prequel. Uh, perhaps, the, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the second most recent film of these 51s. The most recent being yes, so 2018's yep. Halloween. Uh, uh the-
1: uh, it was not put out in theaters, so, so yeah. a lot of v- people may have not seen this, VOD you man. pretty much just have to search to, to watch this movie.
0: And even then, it's not really all that easy to find, but it, the, the name of the movie is, is Leatherface, and it's a prequel to the original 1974 uh, Mastermind Classic. Um, what are your thoughts about this movie? Because for me, man, this is a difficult movie to rank, because right. it's just...
1: It was very hard for us to yeah. find a spot for this, but I think we always knew... That this would be in the bottom. But we knew it wasn't the worst. Like, cause it's we knew really, it was the bottom
0: five even.
1: Yeah. It's really not a bad movie. Uh, it is. And because it was not put out in theaters. It's still actually a well made movie. I think it's actually well acted. Uh, like you believe a lot of the characters in this movie. Um, it's a very gory movie. It has. I, I wouldn't say it has the best deaths. Uh, scenes because uh, there's a lot of like gunshots and you know, but it's it's almost like a biography of Leatherface.
0: Yeah, it's like a biopic, which nobody wanted. I want you to want to no be there. I don't think anybody really laid their head down at night and, and thought I would really want a prequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And we kind of
1: already got that in Texas Chainsaw the beginning. Which yeah, I think did it a lot better, which is why we're not talking about that movie and we're talking about this movie. Right, it's like it's like what if Leatherface was into girls when he was younger, but suddenly just decide to butcher people.
0: My, you know, my biggest thing with this movie when you do decide to make a prequel to a masterpiece that was made back in 1974, I think you at least have to try to match the tone to a certain extent. You know, to go toward what they had done in 1974. This movie just feels so.
1: It feels like it's detached.
0: It feels so detached to 1974 that I just can't even really take it seriously
1: and like you watch like the lead actor who and like I said I think this movie is actually pretty well acted yeah but how can you believe that this guy ends up being Leatherface
0: no this this guy with a kind southern draw mild mannered especially especially
1: female role is like attracted to yeah that's not Leatherface I mean like what are you doing
0: by Sawyer family standards this guy's a scholar yeah
1: and I kind of see what they were trying to do is like, oh, uh, we we want the big character, like we want the audience to think the big character Bud is Leatherface,
0: right. and that's kind of
1: what you think. But then he dies, I think, with about forty-five minutes left into the movie. He does, and um, so there's no more twist. So there's there's no, no more suspense.
0: More, there's no more twist to be had. Yeah, and everyone else is dead at that point. At that point, you know, Bud. And right
1: after he dies is when um, Jackson, I think his movie, yeah, Jackson. Jackson. He, mm-hmm. he he gets shot right in the face. And you know he's going to need, need, you know, some type of surgery to his face. So you're thinking, oh, that's Luggerface, I guess.
0: And like you said, Bud dies with 45 minutes to go, which is far too soon for the suspense to really live he on.
1: definitely should have died later in the movie.
0: But also the way he died was super uh, nonchalant. I mean, he just got into a little bit of tussle with the police officer and the police officer shot him in the head. Right. I just think there, there there could have been more there to really drive the I feel like the they tried home. to, like,
1: out, outsmart themselves when they made this movie.
0: It's, it, you know, it's a movie about uh, the danger of nurture and influence from your family and your peers, mm-hmm. but it's just not believable in that sense, because you're taking a young man named Jackson, who is very mild-mannered, has that Southern comfort mm-hmm. that I, you know, in his personal personality, in my opinion, and you turn him into this chainsaw-wielding, human flesh Mask wearing who individual talk. who do who, who, like
1: doesn't know how who, to express who himself who ceases
0: to to speak exactly he just and only
1: knows how to kill people when they fr- go on his property and
0: frankly is um, disabled from an educational yeah. standpoint he it should. just doesn't make any sense man it doesn't bud made sense but they decided to turn that into a twist you know the character of bud because it's he twists didn't, didn't work
1: um, is like do you think there's do you, you think there's a reason why we don't have this ranked Higher?
0: Yes, because I think it's just a difficult movie to rank. I think, you know, if you're looking at everything involved with this movie, with the kills and the writing and the directing,
1: it's not bad. Man. I don't think it's, it's god awful. awful.
0: And it's also, like, I, you you already uh, iterated this, but the acting is not bad. You have Stephen Dorff, who just two years later would co star in True Detective mm-hmm. Season 3. And he's, you know, he, he, he's always really had a name for himself, but he's good in this. Lily Taylor plays the head of the Sawyer family. Um, and she's good in this too. There are some ties to 3D. I'm not. I'm not saying that's and necessarily. Why would
1: they do that? that
0: yeah, it, it's not a so good. Why thing. are you
1: associating yourself with that movie? Like, yeah. If you mm-hmm. want to keep it simple, like
0: nobody wanted that continuity. No one. Nobody asked, asked for, for this that. movie.
1: No one asked for them to for a 3D remake. I think or that's a my sequel. my
0: biggest problem with the movie is if you're going to make a prequel to the 1974 classic, you mm-hmm. better freaking hit the nail on the head. Right. And this didn't do it. It's a movie that I could probably go the rest of my life without watching again, and yeah, right. I wouldn't really think much of it. Um, and for that reason, it's number forty-two. Mike, let's cheers,
1: man! Cheers.
0: We're at number forty-one. We are in the last movie of the first part of the series. We are at the what we what we deem. This is a little bit controversial, I think. By the way, what we think is the second worst installment of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. And that is Friday Thirteenth, Part Five, a new beginning. Give me your initial thoughts.
1: Now we're getting into the guilty pleasure uh, section, for sure, where we know it's a bad movie. But I hey mean, I'll,
0: I'll watch this movie I'll any day watch, that ends
1: in Y. If you were to tell me, I'm probably gonna watch this movie about thirty more times for the rest of my like. I, I could, I, <laughs> I don't hate it. This is your first. This is the first. This is the first movie I ever watched. Um, I watched or the first. From the slasher movie. Sla- uh, first slasher movie. No, I'm sorry. No, it, it is the first Friday the Thirteenth movie I've ever seen. Right. And I was maybe ten. And oh my god, you could tell this movie was directed by a porn director because uh, it's dirty. His first. I remember feature fast forwarding right? through every sex scene in, in this movie. You appreciate what they try to do. Where there's a twist to it. It's not your typical Friday the 13th movie.
0: Well, let's talk about that for a second. Because I think a lot of the films that we've spoken about here in our bottom 11, I think not all of them, but a lot of them did try to do something different. Right. And they just did not succeed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It,
1: I mean, with this movie, there's nothing different really until the, very, you know. The, the Who Done It aspect. Right.
0: Yeah, but it, I mean, it's directed by uh, Danny Steinman is the gentleman's name. And this is his first feature length film. He was really just known from a porn aspect. In fact, the, the very Rest in f- one of the, yeah, one of the first scenes of this movie is when they're driving Tommy Jarvis to the psych ward. You know, one of the people in the passenger seat who works for the the psych ward is actually looking at a nudie mag. So, I mean, really, like the the first scene in this movie after Tommy Jarvis's premonition, uh, kind of let lead you on to what mm-hmm. you're in for here. It's 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 a sleazy movie. There's no very dirty. It's a very sleazy you movie. Feel dirty
1: watching it. It's a tough coming um, right after part four, where you kind of feel for some of the characters, like with like a Crispin Glover. And the twins, like it's characters you care about, going right to characters you you just want to see die.
0: I just don't buy the the who done it aspect because I just think Roy. Well, they
1: pretty much tell you too. Like they're not even trying to be like they sneaky tell a, about it. They telegraph it for sure. Yeah, like they're doing like a wink at you the whole movie, where it's like, oh. I'm.
0: And it's like nobody in this small town knew that Roy was this boy's father.
1: And the first time he ever sees him is to pick up his body after he would... And if he is the killer, why is he killing everybody else and not the guy that actually murdered his son?
0: That's another thing I've always you, taken you away. You never
1: see him again. Like, wasn't that I made-it-for-a-good scene? For yeah. And they sneak into jail and kill, kill the police officers. And, and then get into, his, you know, but... Kill Vic, they, the guy they who never, actually
0: murdered his son.
1: And they never dive dive into that again. But
0: the thing is, so, like, he didn't even really have a relationship with his son, and yet his, his son's murder... Turns him into like a a, a maniacal, creative, psychopathic serial killer. It, I just don't buy it. Um, The one thing I'll say about this movie is it still very much feels like a Friday Thirteenth film. Whereas you know you you could watch the uh, Halloween franchise and you could totally skip Resurrection, and you could still really take away Mm -hmm. the essence of that franchise where. You could totally watch this incongruent with part four, part six, etc., right. and still feel as though you enjoyed the Friday Thirteenth franchise as a whole.
1: Other than the actor of Tommy Jarvis being awful, and why is he so and good I'm, at fighting? And I don't want to say, yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't want to say he's awful because maybe it's the way they. wrote But why him. is he
0: so good at like kung fu fighting, man? They, yeah, they like, never went into that. No,
1: they, they don't. Uh, he's just like. You're watching this movie. And it's like, why am I following him? There's nothing interesting about this character at all. Like, to, like Tommy Jarvis was almost the driving force of Part Four, which obviously is one of the best sequels of the same, of the franchise. You can see why in Part Six they just totally wanted to scrap that character or scrap, sc- scrap that actor and just go with a completely different type of mindset for Tommy. Tom
0: Matthews, man, legend. Tom in part Matthews. Six. <laughs> Tom.
1: Well, Tom Ma- Matthews.
0: <laughs> gotta pronounce that H. Yeah, uh, a couple of redeeming qualities about this movie. I actually thought Reggie was a great character. I thought he was funny, and I thought he was well-portrayed as a child actor. Um, I especially liked his relationship with his grandfather. And I also thought his relationship with his brother, played by Miguel A. Nunez of Juana Man fame. Classic. (laughs) I thought that was a really cool relationship, man. Uh, Even though, you know, his brother really just existed in the film to die. Although his death scene was very good. It was.
1: uh, I think... A lot of the deaths here, not so what they're not so much off screen, but it's just more of a hand going around killing people because you don't really see Jason's face until the final twenty minutes of this movie.
0: That's another gripe I have.
1: Yeah, I don't know how to say it, that the deaths aren't bad, but the execution is though. It, it's
0: you know they don't they don't show Jason's um, face, his you know, whole body more face so more so the, his mask because yeah. it's the who done an aspect. You know, even though the final scene in the barn where he's chasing Tom—I'm sorry, not Tom, but Tommy, Tommy. and Reggie and Pam—they mm-hmm. um, show they start to show Jason's mask again. You know and what I mean? Those so are good scenes. Those are great scenes. But why weren't you showing his mask the entire time? Right. If when push comes to shove in that final act, you're willing to show it in the it, barn scene when he ultimately dies. Right.
1: Like if you want to make it a true who done it, why aren't you showing the whole time Jason? Because right. everyone's going to think it's Jason then.
0: Ultimately, I think there's some really good characters in this film, including Reggie, like I said. But Pam is also a good one, and Matt, uh, who I think is essentially the owner of the of the of the psych ward, um, uh, right? Who who just dies a very. Does he die
1: on off screen? He, he dies, dies
0: off, off screen. They just find him uh, nailed to a tree at some point. Oh uh, right. And I actually thought like him and Pam were together. I
1: don't think yeah. they were married, yeah, but they, they were they, together. they kind
0: of at that. Um, and I never really understood the lack of deaths. Uh. You know, lack of a death scene for Matt, but I could have some issues f- with this movie, but ultimately, I know you and I agree that it's still a super watchable film. Definitely, it's a movie um, that... It's much better than Jason Goes to Hell, in my opinion. Of course,
1: yeah. We will turn it on, and we'll watch it.
0: Yeah, man, if 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 October rolls around and it's on Fear Fest, we're not going to shy away from nope. this movie. It's not for either. sure a guilty pleasure, and I know other people would put uh, some other... A couple of Friday the 13th movies worse than this, but... I just want to recap here what we're doing. This is the debut episode of Corn Syrup. I'm Tyler. I'm talking to Mike across from me. Um, what we're doing here is we are ranking all 51 films of the Halloween, Friday Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Scream, and Child Play movies. And just to kind of cap off our debut episode here, I want to go. I want to run back through movies 51 through 41. Fifty-one, we had Halloween Resurrection. Fifty, we had Texas Chainsaw Massacre: Next Generation. Forty-nine, we had Nightmare on Elm Street: Freddy's Dead. Forty-eight, we had Texas Chainsaw 3D. Forty-seven, we had Nightmare on Elm Street: The Dream Child. Forty-six, Jason Goes to Hell. Forty-five was the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Forty-four was Seed of Chucky. Forty-three, Halloween Five. Forty-two, Leatherface. Forty-one. Friday Thirteenth, Part Five: A New Beginning. That's it, man.
1: I think it's a solid bottom ten. Um, we feel good about it. If you guys don't agree with any of them, or if you do, you know our Twitter. Yeah, corn Serapod. corn Serapod on Twitter. We, we also would have really an email love to hear from everyone that is listening right now.
0: We would love to. There, there's gonna be there's gonna be differing opinions on this. There, there, I mean, you know, there's there's obviously not one list that you can compile amongst everybody. Um, and obviously, if you're listening to this, you you are a you are a horror fan to some extent. Right. But again, just to reiterate, our Twitter is corn syrup pod, our email is corn syrup horror at gmail dot com. And also, don't just let us know how you rank these films, but let us know what you, what you want to hear us talk about because we want this to be fun for everybody. Right. Um, I
1: personally had a blast just talking. I mean, because me and you have been talking about stuff like this for over 15 to 20 years so this is like so for us
0: this is us just having a couple whiskeys and and talking about slasher films this is gonna be a bi-weekly podcast for now um again we are new to this and we we do hope to make it weekly at some point but for now it's going to be bi-weekly and again let us know once you want to hear us talk about until then man this was the debut episode of corn syrup a horror podcast thanks so much guys and we'll talk to you soon